Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. And we continue with our American stories. For generations, students in American elementary schools were taught that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue to discover America in 1492. Today, that lesson is changing in schools across the country. Here to tell the real story of Christopher Columbus is Lawrence Burgreen, who wrote the definitive biography, Columbus, The Four Voyages. And we're telling this untold story of Christopher Columbus because today is Columbus Day. Let's take a listen. Hello, my name is Lawrence Burgreen, and I've written a book about Christopher Columbus, Columbus, The Four Voyages. Of all the books I've written, I think this has been the most challenging and the most controversial because uh, Columbus's reputation has been changing almost by the month. He's a figure that we all know about, and he's been devalued almost beyond recognition, torn down from statues discredited over and over as if it were the first time. But as I discovered, the criticism of Columbus, intense criticism, was there almost at the beginning. It seems to get rediscovered with each generation. He's been hated, considered a uh, genocidal monster. I uh, would like to discuss Columbus in three dimensions, if you will, to give a sense of what he was really like as a person, with his flaws and all, the flaws were huge, but also so were his accomplishments. 
there's a reason why we remember Columbus. He tied together with his four voyages, the old world and the new. First of all, who was Columbus? Cristoforo Columbus, Colombo, was born in Genoa in 1451. He was the son of a weaver. He went to sea at 14, which was common, and he had a very rough beginning. He sank in a bottle off the coast of Portugal. He managed to paddle safely to shore on a piece of wreckage. And as a Genoese, he joined a colony of expatriate Genoese sailors in Portugal. Later on, he was exploring the coast of West Africa and actually aboard another ship, made it all the way to Iceland. So even as a young person, Columbus had been around, mostly as what we would call a merchant marine. And he worked carefully with his brothers, especially his brother, Bartholomew, who was a map maker. This was kind of interesting because conceptions of the world at that time were, by our standards, faulty and misleading to an almost comical extent. Bartholomew's maps and other maps of that era reinforced the belief that China and all the riches that Columbus eventually went to seek from China lay just to the west of the Americas, that the Pacific Ocean was not the largest body of water on the planet, but could be traversed in maybe a few days. So the idea was that if you could only get to the beginning of the Pacific, to its western edge, that you would be able to get to China very quickly. This was, of course, a uh, huge mistake. Columbus, if he had known the reality of it and how difficult it was to get to China, probably would never have undertaken the voyage. There were a couple of other sailors and navigators who did. They were all lost. So uh, the fact that he was emboldened to undertake it was based on a series of faulty misconceptions. It's just one of the many ironies. He spent a lot of time getting backing uh, for the voyage. He was in Portugal, wouldn't back him. He finally went to Spain. And by that time, he was no longer a young man. He was 40. 40 in those days was late middle age. So he was in, in a way what seemed like the quote, back nine of his career. On the other hand, Columbus had some gifts. And his main gift as a mariner, as a navigator, was what we call dead reckoning, sailing by the seat of his pants. If he wanted to estimate time and distances, he used very simple devices, such as a rope or a buoy or a landmark, timing the distance it took to move from one end of his ship to another. If it sounds primitive, it was, but it also worked. So he wasn't dependent on technology or intellectual constructs that were beyond his ken. He also paid close attention to tides and to wind, to the color of the sea, the composition of the clouds. These mattered a lot more to him than the mathematical calculations of uh, the era's leading cosmographers. They generally had never gone to sea, but Columbus had, and in his long apprenticeship, he had acquired a great deal of experience which turned out to be very helpful, especially in an era of all these faulty maps. And he also had this conviction that he could sail from the western coast of Spain to the eastern coast of China without much of a problem. He was not familiar with the astrolabe. He did not steer by the stars. 
if he had done that, again, he probably would have never set out on this voyage uh, because he would have realized how faulty his assumptions were. But he did have a sense that God wanted him to do this. At times, he even thought that God was speaking to him. That wasn't that uncommon in those days. Many people felt that God was directly speaking to them about what they should be doing in life. When I say speaking, I don't mean a mild prompting, an, an intuitive one. I mean actually hearing a voice. And we know that Columbus had this experience of God speaking to him because he wrote down what he thought God actually told him at uh, critical times. What was so remarkable about all this was that when he set out on this voyage, the very first time, the one that we all study about in school in 1492, he went across the Atlantic with three ships, and it's the first time we know that Europeans had done this, with no loss of life. This is really remarkable considering the dangers that he faced and his lack of specific knowledge. And he made this voyage three more times, each time improving based on hard-won experience, until on the last voyage, he was able to cross the Atlantic in only 16 days. It was incredible. Of course, the shorter the voyage, the less dangers you faced. There was less danger of uh, storms, less danger of dehydration, less danger of mutinies at sea. So uh, this worked in his favor. His crew on these voyages was um, very problematic because he sailed on the first voyage just the day after the Spanish Inquisition became the law of the land. That was intended to drive Muslims out of Spain, but it also had ripple effects across Europe and all the way to Portugal and was really an important watershed in history. It was the brainchild, if you could call it that, of uh, the Catholic monarchs of uh, Spain, Ferdinand and Isabella. Because Columbus was not able to get backing in Portugal, he was able to get sort of backing from them, but I'd say it was uh, tentative. This first fleet was three cramped, leaking, fragile vessels. They were old and falling apart. We would call them rust buckets, except they were made out of wood. And they were small. The Santa Maria, which was the largest, could hold only 40 sailors. And you've been listening to historian Lawrence Burgreen tell the story of Christopher Columbus in a way you've probably never heard it before. It's complicated and it's nuanced. And like any human being, this man had his flaws, but my goodness, his virtues, his talents, you're hearing about some of them. By the way, if he had not known how difficult it was, we learn, to get to China, he probably would have never embarked on the voyage in the first place. The irony of ironies. And he's 40 years old when he tries to get the backing to do this. And 40, as Lawrence pointed out, is the back nine of your career back in the late 15th century. And of course, how he knew what he was supposed to do, well, he knew it because he'd heard from God. And I mean, he thought he literally heard from God. And that's what he wrote in his own journals and memoirs. A really spectacular part of Lawrence's book is hearing about those messages from God. You're going to hear more of the story of Christopher Columbus with Lawrence Burgreen because today is Columbus Day. 
as Our American Stories continue. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash OAS. And we continue with Our American Stories and the story of Christopher Columbus as told by historian Lawrence Burgreen, because today is Columbus Day. Let's pick up where we last left off. Now, another one of Columbus's, it seems almost comical, uh, misconceptions was that he was going to sail to China in these ships. Therefore, he brought translators with him, ready to interpret Chinese once they reached Asia. Where did he get these ideas from? Well, like everybody in Europe at that time, he got them from Marco Polo's popular travels. Marco Polo went over land rather than sea for the most part and dictated a very popular account of his adventures. Some of it was embellished. Some of it was drawn from other accounts that he'd heard that he included in his own. In general, it painted a picture of this mythical China or Asia 
that Columbus thought he was reaching as a place of great luxury, of gold, and uh, sensual gratification. The idea was he would go there and bring back spices, which were very important and easy to transport, gold, a little more difficult because it had to be mined or stolen, and much, much more ominously, slaves. Slavery at that point was very common throughout Europe. He also had another mission, which partly contradicted this one, was that he wanted to bring, and he was quite serious about this, Christianity to what he called the idol worshippers of the East. He felt that uh, his name, Christopher Columbus, meant Christ-bearer, and he had a messianic sense of this. Now, this didn't square with the idea of slavery, because if you had slaves, they, and he wanted to convert people, they couldn't be Christians. But nobody really bothered at that time to think it through until he actually went out on the voyage. He also planned to meet Kublai Khan. He had official letters from King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. The only problem was that Kublai Khan had died decades ago. The Mongol Empire, which he led, was fading into oblivion. So it could be said that I think with some fairness that Marco Polo's travels, which in many ways were accurate, misled rather than inspired Columbus. And he spent his entire career, four voyages, in a futile effort to discover this maritime route to China. Okay, in the process, he stumbled across what we know and now and now called the New World. And that was the beginning of what we also call globalization. Now, we can debate endlessly whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. But once Columbus had started this process of going back and forth between what we now call the Americas and uh, Spain and Europe, there was no stopping it. And uh, it wasn't just trade and it wasn't just uh, geopolitics. It was also what we call the Columbus Exchange. But the Columbian Exchange involved livestock, and seeds and germs and other things that could not be undone because what you left behind stayed and transformed the landscapes of both the old world and the new. On the first voyage, his uh, initial contacts, this was the 1492 voyage, were tentative and respectful. He wrote, and he was a big letter writer, I hope to win them to the love and service of their highnesses, by which he meant Ferdinand and Isabella, and the whole Spanish nation. They have no religion, but they are not idolaters. They believe that power and goodness dwell in the sky and are firmly convinced that I have come from the sky with these ships and people. This is because they are not stupid. Far from it, they are men of great intelligence, for they give a marvelously good account of everything but they have never before seen men clothed or ships like these. Columbus was probably talking about one of two tribes in the Caribbean. The Taino was probably the most likely, and they were fairly sophisticated, as he realized, and they were not particularly hostile to Columbus's arrival. Some of them were very curious and welcomed him. However, some of the behavior of Columbus's followers, or those who came in after him, 
uh, was so outrageous that what uh, we th think of the as the atrocities that we attribute to Columbus were actually perpetrated by those who came afterwards, sometimes in his name and sometimes independently. Some of the worst of them, for example, one of his lieutenants, Michel de Cuneo, wrote about capturing and raping a beautiful indigenous woman whom he claims the Lord Admiral, that was Columbus, gave to him. And then he writes about how she was unwilling and scraped her with his fingernails so that he wished he had never laid eyes on her. Finally, he got a piece of rope and um, punished her with it. These kinds of letters were circulated around Europe and sensationalized this voyage. So the impression of it went from being one of trade and a religious mission to one of complete exploitation. Columbus also decided that one of the other tribes, the Caribs, as opposed to the Taino, were cannibals. And he wrote after the second voyage that the Caribs eat the male children, that they have been adopted by their women and only bring up the children of their own women. So in other words, they eat the children of a rival indigenous people. And then to top it off, he reported that they say that human flesh is so good that there is nothing like it in the world. Well, again, these kinds of accounts electrified Europe, Spain, and not in a good way, and set off a big reaction that uh, changed the color of everything. At the same time, while this was going on, unknown to Columbus and his sailors in Europe, something maybe more important was going on and one that continues to this day. And that's the Colombian exchange, which I uh, mentioned earlier. This was first identified by Alfred Crosby at the University of Texas at Austin. And it indicates the exchange and commingling of bacteria and plants and animals between the old world and the new, beginning in 1492, and then the subsequent four voyages, when there was a cross-fertilizing of these uh, separate uh, land masses brought about by Columbus and his followers. And you've been listening to historian Lawrence Burgreen tell the story, the rich and complicated story, the nuanced story of Christopher Columbus, one of the great storytellers in this country, Lawrence is. His book is Columbus, The Four Voyages. I urge you to get it. You will not put it down. Get two copies. Give it to a friend. We learn so much about the context and the times in which he lived Lawrence isn't one of those historians who judge people out of context, but yet he's honest as honest can be. The full picture, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And my goodness, the international trade lanes that Columbus started, he started, for better or worse, global trade. He started globalization. And it changed not only the new world, it changed the old world too. Also, a great discussion, a great piece of storytelling on how Columbus viewed the native tribes, and more importantly, how people used his name to do just, well, tragic and ugly things. And of course, some of Columbus's own writings and the impact they had on the native tribes that lived here before his arrival. When we return, more of this remarkable story, this rich and complicated story, the story of Christopher Columbus, on this Columbus Day, here, on Our American Stories. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we continue with our American stories and with the story of Christopher Columbus as told by Lawrence Burgreen. Because today is Columbus Day. Let's pick up where we last left off. Columbus brought white potatoes, sweet potatoes, maize, and manioc, which is a rather starchy root from the New World to the back to the old to Europe. And he brought wheat, turnips, barley, apples, and rice from Europe to the Americas. They made a big difference because they enabled the people in the Americas who started growing them to rapidly increase the population there. But there was more, got more complicated. Columbus and his men brought horses, cattle, sheep, and goats to the New World. We have to imagine what it was like without horses and without cattle before them. They also brought back to Europe pathogens that were unknown. Remember, people didn't really know about germ theory in those days. These pathogens had a devastating effect. Smallpox, malaria, chickenpox, influenza, and yellow fever all came thanks to Columbus and his men, not intentionally, 
he never decided, okay, we're going to intentionally infect defenseless people in another land. They didn't realize they were doing it. Some other effects of this Colombian exchange, alcohol and alcoholism. They weren't alcoholics in the New World or alcohol before Columbus. Alcohol and alcoholism devastated local populations. So as you can see, this Colombian exchange was complicated and multi-layered. Once that was started, it could not be undone. Columbus's uh, first voyage was relatively quick. As I mentioned, it seemed to be successful. The second voyage was meant as a follow-up. He wanted to capitalize on it. Finally, when he got to the third voyage, which was uh, 1498 and 1500, in a way, this was the most complicated of all. And uh, we see a lot of the contradictions in the Columbus voyages coming to the fore. He had a very difficult time maintaining order among the crew. And he um, had also had a ma difficult time maintaining the pretense that he was going to China or Asia. He was also undermined by his brother, Bartholomew, who was much more interested in plunder and conquest and did not share Columbus's uh, messianic visions or ideals. At the meantime, on this voyage, he seemed to be losing his mind, or at least temporarily losing his reason. On this third voyage, once he discovered Venezuela, another major accomplishment, but again, not China, he decided that he was sailing uphill, as he wrote about, which of course one can't do, and that he had discovered the entrance to paradise. And in case you were wondering, it was a little bit north of Venezuela. So I don't think anybody else has ever found it since then, joking. Anyway, he wrote that each time I sailed from Spain to the Indies, I found that when I reached a point a hundred leagues west of the Azores, the heavens, the stars, and the temperatures of the air and the water of the sea abruptly changed. It was as if the seas sloped upward. He was surprised because he felt that the earth was spherical. He believed it, and he knew it to be true. He decided then that the earth must be not round, but as he put it, quote, the shape of a pear, which is round everywhere except at the stalk, where it juts out a long way. At this point, you know, he seemed to be more and more detached from reality, and he then talked about this watery summit that he found. He didn't believe anyone could actually, quote, ascend to the top. More complications ensued to the point where Spain, Ferdinand, and Isabella decided to appoint an inspector to see what was happening with Columbus because they were alarmed by reports of cruelty and by Columbus's delusions. They appointed Francisco de Bobadilla, and uh, his idea was to try and clean up this mess in Columbus. So he arrived in August of 1500 and wanted to see what uh, was actually going on. He was actually there in Santo Domingo. And um, what he saw was worse than anyone back in Spain had imagined. He was confronted by gallows, rotting corpses. And who was overlooking this was Columbus's other brother, not Bartholomew, but Diego. And he felt that he was doing the right thing. And he boasted to Bobadilla that five additional Spaniards 
were to be hanged the next day. The reason was because he believed that they were going to stage a mutiny or a rebellion against Columbus and his two brothers. So he felt that he was carrying out the wishes of Spain by doing this. Of course, it was exactly the opposite. Executing Spaniards was, of course, an extremely grave offense. So he found himself jailed, and the search went out for Columbus himself, who now found himself in big trouble, and spent most of his life under suspicion for these atrocities. One of the things we're lucky about with Columbus is that we have so many different impressions of what he was really like. However, there is one important part, crucial part of the story that we don't know about. We don't know what the Taino or other indigenous peoples actually thought. We can guess they're sometimes quoted. Um, we can judge or infer from their actions. Still, it's largely based on speculation. And, uh, you know, we can speculate in favor of one side or another, but there is some sense they did regard Columbus as a messiah too, but not in the sense that Columbus thought of himself as bearing a divine message, but as a harbinger of the end of time. Because apparently, and some people have suggested, that there was a myth that was prevalent or a belief among the Taino and other peoples that when ships like this appeared, that was the end of the world. Therefore, they responded in a drastic way. Many of them committed suicide. They jumped off of cliffs. They poisoned one another. Columbus saw some of this and was absolutely mystified about that. And he had no way of knowing why this was happening without realizing that he had actually unintentionally triggered it. So this is a particularly tragic instance of uh, unintended consequences. You could see that uh, Columbus, uh, throughout these voyages and throughout his life, ricocheted around from one misconception to another, from misplaced idealism to unintentional or overlooked cruelty. That makes him an extraordinarily complex figure and also a very important figure because the results of his voyage are with us to this day and won't be undone. They are really permanent. So that makes him one of the most important figures in the history of exploration, if not history, both for better and for worse. And I think he speaks a lot to the human condition about our own susceptibility or fallibility, about both inspiring and deleterious effects of belief. That's why he still grips our imagination as well as our intellect. And a terrific job on the editing, production, and storytelling by our own Greg Hengler. And a special thanks to Lawrence Burgreen. His book, Columbus, The Four Voyages. When you get it, you will not put it down. Go to Amazon or the usual suspects. Again, it's Columbus, The Four Voyages. And what a story he told. So complicated. Almost a dual nature to almost everything that happens. Here's the good, here's the bad. Much of it an unintended consequence of this very new partnership, this new globalization. Columbus brings white potatoes, sweet potatoes, and maize from the new world to the old, and he brings wheat, turnips, apples, and rice from Europe to the Americas. Mutual benefits there. 
He also, my goodness, brings so many more things, horses, cattle, sheep, and goats from Europe to the New World. Can you imagine the country without these things? It's unimaginable. And of course, smallpox too, and other pathogens. And again, he didn't do it knowing that he was doing what he was doing. These are unintended consequences of this new globalization, of this new Colombian exchange. And let's not forget alcohol and alcoholism too. Again, not done on purpose. Contradictions, my goodness, they're everywhere. And by the way, we live with them in our own lives too as human beings. But they all come to the fore, including that last trip. His own brothers turn out to be a real problem in his life. And by all accounts, by the end of that third voyage, Columbus, well, he's lost his mind. The story in the end shows the nature of Columbus, ricocheting on one misperception and misconception to another, filled with both an inspiring nature, but also in the end, all those flaws and fallibilities. The story of Christopher Columbus, in the end, the story of humanity, human nature, and the story of early America on this Columbus Day, here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.